Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of uh, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 20. In uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18, the first part of it that we didn't uh, discuss about yesterday, just right after David had killed uh, Goliath, uh, the Scripture says that uh, Jonathan's heart was attached to David. He had found somebody that had had a spirit that was just like his. He had found someone who was a true friend. And remember, our first encounter of Jonathan was him there um, when the Philistines, when they were all afraid of the Philistines, and he goes out with his armor bearer to the uh, garrison of the Philistines, and he told his armor bearer, said, hey, let's go up there, and let's see if the Lord would grant us a victory. Because Jonathan wasn't scared, and Jonathan knew that God could bring victory. And that was just right in line with the same spirit, you know, that David had. And when he saw David and his courage and the way to which he talked about God and the way that he was zealous for God and the the courage that he showed in defeating the giant, he knew. He knew that he had found a true friend. And isn't it great to have a good friend? Now, a lot of us, we have a lot of buddies, don't we? We have a lot of co-workers. We have a lot of people that we hang out with. But we very rarely will have many friends. Usually only have really one good friend at a time. Someone that you really just mesh with. Someone that you feel just kind of has the same heart and the same spirit as you. But how even greater it is to have a friend where the thing that joins you together is your love for the Lord and your love for His Word and your love for His house and your love for His people. What a great friendship that, could, that, that is. And how great it is to have that type of friend. I have one and I hope that uh, you have one too. I hope you have people that you're able to not just talk about football or hunting or clothes or TV and all those other things, but someone who you are knitted together in heart and spirit and to encourage one another one another and strengthen one another. David had a friend, I mean, uh, Jonathan had a friend and he loved David very much. But he also loved his father. And his father taught him, you know, how to fight. His father taught him and was training him to be the next king. And so he loved David. And he loved his father. But now Jonathan finds himself in a situation when his best friend and his father aren't getting along. And David finds, I mean, Jonathan finds himself caught in the middle. It's a, it's a tough thing to be uh, caught in the middle, isn't it? It's tough to be caught in the middle of uh, people who that you know uh, and care about and who love and care about them equally and, and deeply. To see them go through a time of conflict and a, a time of fight is always difficult. Not only in seeing those two people having that confrontation, but also the fact that they always kind of seem to want you to pick a side. And you have to decide what you are going to do when you get caught in the middle. And so that as we go through verse uh, chapter 20 this morning... I want us to think about how we need to go about when we find ourselves being caught in the middle. 
being caught in the middle between friends, being caught in the middle between family members, being caught in the middle between those who we love very, very dear. So what does the Word of God uh, tell us about what to do in this situation? And uh, it really seems that uh, Jonathan was kind of in a sense of, uh, of denial that this was actually going on. And uh, it's easy for us to see in our relationships, too, that to deny that there is a conflict and to deny that there is a problem because we don't want to have to go through that. We don't want to have to deal with that. So we sort of pretend that it doesn't exist. But finally, we get to the point, as Jonathan did, is you have to realize that there is a problem. There is a conflict between these two, and you have to decide what you're going to do. And so we pick up in um, 1 Samuel uh, 20, we're going to read 1 through 5. It says, Then David fled uh, from Norath and Ramah and came to and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And he said to him, Far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great nor small, without, uh, without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows uh, well that I have found favor in your, in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your, uh, as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do for you. And we talked last week about how the relationship between Saul and David soured. And it soured because of David of uh, Saul's sin and his unwillingness to confess himself, himself, his sins for himself and get right with God. But instead, he blamed other people. And he sought to destroy the people around him that would remind him of his sin. And Saul knew that the favor of God had, and the Spirit of God had been lifted off of him, and now it was on David. So instead of taking those things from the Lord, instead of getting those things right, he had hostility towards David, and he was ready to get rid of him. And so he takes this to Jonathan, and Jonathan is just a denial. What are you talking about? You know, when we, uh, when we love people or when we want to stay away from conflict, we kind of go on this sense of denial. You know, uh, Saul had tried to uh, pin David with a spear uh, against the wall with a spear three times. He had actually walked out in temper trying to kill David. And Jonathan, uh, and Jonathan went and had to cool his father down before he did something rash. And he pleaded on behalf of David. And so when David comes to Jonathan and says, Jonathan, I think your daddy uh, wants me dead. Jonathan's like, I don't know what you're talking about. There's not a problem. If there was a problem, I would know about it. And so he was in denial. But as he talks to David, he realized that there indeed is a problem. There indeed is a conflict between David and his father. And so he takes the first step. And the first step that we do should do when we get caught in the middle of things, when we get caught in the midst of conflict, is we should seek to bring peace. Seek to bring peace. We shouldn't pretend like there's no problem. 
We shouldn't just assume that it's their problem and it'll work itself out. But the Lord calls us to be peacemakers. Isn't that what he taught? Peacemaker. What was it that the scripture tells us in Corinthians? That God through Jesus Christ has brought us into reconciliation through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now he gives to us the ministry of reconciliation. Peacemaking and settling disputes is what we ought to be as Christians. Our first uh, reconciliation in the relationships that we should work with people is we should work with them in their lives so that they can get their lives right with God, right? Because that's a conflict that they have, a conflict that they may not be uh, aware of. They may not worry, uh, be uh, aware that there is division between them and God. They may not be aware about how their sin separates them from God. They may not know that there's hope and salvation through Jesus Christ. And so it's up to us as their friends, as friends of those people, as well as friends of God to help reconcile that relationship. But we also have the ministry of peace in reconciliation. When two people that we really care about are groups of people that we care about to help bring them together. And that's what Jonathan tried to do. He tried to plead with his father and say, look, what has David done to you to, uh, to, uh, to harm you? Doesn't David go out and fight for you? Hasn't David brought you good? And so he was trying to bring peace to this situation. But Saul wouldn't have anything of it. Saul wouldn't have any type of reconciliation. He wasn't willing to admit that he was wrong. He wasn't willing trying to make things right. He just got madder and madder and madder. And so Jonathan couldn't bring peace as much as he tried. So then Jonathan had to make a decision. He had to decide between the two. He had to pick of what side he was going to do. He had to decide what he was going to be in this situation. He had to decide how he was going to handle it. He had to pick and decide which side of this conflict he was going to be on. Was he going to be on David's side or was he going to be on Saul's side? Well, let's see what he decided. Let's pick up In verse number 13, it says, But should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan and more so, if I do not disclose it to you and to send you away that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, show me steadfast love in the Lord that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love for my house forever when the Lord cuts off everyone of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Jonathan and David had set up a test. There was going to be a festival of the new moon that, uh, that Saul was going to throw. It's at every month of uh, occasion. And all the higher-ups were supposed to be there. And uh, he said, here's what we're going to do. When uh, this feast uh, goes on, uh, I'm not going to go, David said. And uh, if uh, your uh, daddy asks where I am, 
say, look, uh, my father had asked me to uh, come back there to Bethlehem for us to have a, a sacrifice and a meal uh, with, uh, with my family. And uh, so uh, he asked you if uh, I could go, and I said yes. And uh, if he gets, uh, says okay, then we know he's not mad at me and try to kill me. But if he gets mad, you will know for sure that he wants to kill me. So the feast comes about, and David's not there. And he doesn't say anything to begin with. And it comes the second time, and finally he asks, and then he blows up. But before all of that, before he goes, saw, I mean, uh, Jonathan makes a decision. He makes a decision of whose side he's going to be on. Is he going to be on David's side, or is he going to be on Saul's side? Do you know what side he chose? Neither. Neither. When we get caught in the middle between two people that are close to us, the temptation is to choose between people. Who do we love the most? Who do we like the most? But God wants us to choose neither. So how do we make our decisions when we get caught in the middle? What should be our standard? We learn a lesson in, uh, in, uh, in the book of uh, Joshua chapter 5. Listen to what verse 13 says to this. This is right before they were going to uh, go up to Jericho. And before they go to Jericho, they encounter someone who is identified as the commander of the armies of the Lord. Man, what a great title. Listen to what it says. It says, when, um, when Joshua uh, was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us? or our adversaries. And he said, neither, neither, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? When you get caught in the conflict between two people, don't choose person A or choose person B, but choose to be on the Lord's side. That's what the commander of the armies of Israel said. He said, uh, are you uh, for us or, or for our adversaries? He said, I'm for neither one of you. I'm for the Lord. And if you are for the Lord, then I'm for you. And if you are against the Lord, then I am against you. And that's how Jonathan sorted through this situation. He didn't choose between his father or between David. He chose between what the Lord wanted. And so how did he sort through this? He knew that David was the innocent one, that David had not done anything wrong, that David um, had done nothing but had loyalty and service to the king, and Saul was just hating him for apparently no reason whatsoever other than jealousy. So he didn't choose between David or Saul, 
but he chose between justice and injustice. What was right and what was wrong? And that can be hard sometimes because I know when I get in an argument with somebody, I'm going to go to other people and I'm going to want them to take my side. And I'm going to want them to take my side whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong. Isn't that the way we are? But it's difficult to say to someone that we love, and it's difficult to say to someone that we care about, to say, no, you're the one that's wrong. You're the one that's not doing right. And you're the one that who needs to change. And so Jonathan said, I'm going to choose what side the Lord's on. So I'm going to go with David because his side is just and my father's wrong. And then he believed in the prophecies of what the Lord said. He knew that the spirit of Lord and the kingship was going to move from Saul to David. And so he followed in what the steps of the Lord were. He says, I know that the Lord is with you so I am going to be with you. Opposite of what Saul did, even though that the Lord was against him, he still insisted in going his own way. He never put his life in line with what the Lord wanted him to do. And you see that the disaster to which it caused. It can be easy sometimes it can be easy sometimes when we're forced to make choices because some of the choices are easy. Some of the choices we make between things are easy. Like if the choice is between steak and broccoli, that ain't no hard decision, is it? I'm taking steak. But if the choice is between steak and a rack of ribs, now we got some debating to do. And that's when I like to take out the oar and put in an and. Some of our decisions between people are easy. And some of the times, that's when we make the worst mistakes, isn't it? When we choose between a friend and someone we don't like. We usually choose the friend, whether they're right or whether they're wrong. Whether it's their following the Lord or whether they're not. When we choose between people of different colors, sometimes that's when we make our bad decisions because instead of choosing by the standard of what's right and what's wrong and what the Lord wants and following Him, we choose our own colors. We choose our own nationalities. We choose our own groups. And we choose our own family. That instead of following the Lord, we follow the loyalties that we have here upon this earth. And when we make those bad decisions and those seemingly easy choices, how much more tougher it is when we have to choose between the people that we love, that when we get caught in the middle. If we don't choose to follow the ways of the Lord, if we don't choose what's right in the Lord's, in our Lord's eyes, and let any other conviction sway our opinion, we will never bring peace to that situation. And we will always be on the wrong side. So when we pick our sides, always choose the Lord's side. 
Not only did he try to bring reconciliation and bring peace, not only do you have to to, uh, pick sides and pick the Lord's sides, but sometimes even more tragically, and this is true in every way of life, when you make decisions and when you pick sides, you have to be willing to pay the price. The banquet came. David's not, abs- David not there. Saul says nothing the first night. Second night, he says, where's David? Jonathan gave him the explanation. Hey, he said he wanted to go with his family. They're having a sacrifice there. He asked if I could go, and uh, I said, yes, it'd be fine. And then all of a sudden, Saul gets up, and he is furious, and he is angry, and he says this in verse number 30. It says, Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, did I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives, that your kingdom shall not be established. Therefore, send and bring him and bring him to me, for I for he shall surely die. Jonathan made a choice. Jonathan chose to follow the Lord. And you would think it would be the perceived as the right thing to do. But when he chose against Saul, Saul was angry and he was upset. And he stood up and said, don't you know, Jonathan, that David is a threat to my throne? Don't you know that because he's a threat to my throne and you are my son, you are the heir, he is a threat to your throne. And as long as he lives, your kingdom cannot be established. Isn't that something? Saul continuously chose his kingdom over the kingdom of God. Jonathan chose the kingdom of God over his own kingdom. He paid the price to follow Christ. He paid the price to obey the voice of the Lord. He paid the price to do what's right. And I want to assure you that we walk upon this earth where the devil walks as its prince in the ways of the world, in the ways of sin are what rule here upon this earth. And every time you choose against the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of this world will come after you. You have to be willing to pay the price. You have to be willing to pay the price to do what's right. That's really what it means to be a disciple, doesn't it? To choose the Lord's kingdom over our kingdom. To choose his interests even over the things that even now temporarily 
work against us. Jesus, in Luke 14, saw crowds following him. Man, he'd fed them. He'd healed them. Man, he'd done everything for them. And they all wanted to follow Jesus, Larry. They all wanted to be in his group. They all wanted to be around him. And he saw this massive drove of people just follow him wherever he went. And then he turned around and looked at him. And he said this. He said, now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he can um, have enough to, uh, to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and he is not able to uh, finish it, all who see it will begin to mock him. Saying this, he began to build it and he was not able to finish. A what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him and comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other one is yet a great way off, and he will send a delegation and ask for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Everybody wanted to follow Jesus until it started costing something. Everybody wanted to follow Jesus while the decisions are easy. But Jesus knew when the decisions got hard, when they had to choose between things that they love and people that they care about and following Jesus, that their hearts would fall away, that they wouldn't be willing to pay the price and that they would walk away. As believers, our decisions can be difficult. But we have to remember always in our heart that if we're truly going to follow Jesus, he can, only, he can be our only true loyalty. No man can serve two masters. There can only be one person up there on that very top, top throne. There's a lot of people under that that you care a lot about. There's a lot of people under there that God has graciously given you. There's a lot of people and a lot of things under there that are good things, but air on the top can only sit one thing. And you choose between that one thing and everything else. Jesus can be the only one up on that throne. And we have to decide in our hearts, in our lives, when we face difficult decisions, are we going to choose the Lord or are we going to choose something else? But I assure you, if you choose that something else, that something else is your God 
and Jesus isn't. Decisions can be tough. It can sometimes erect a price on us, either in friendship, in money, or in scorn, or anything like that. And the temptation is always to do what's easy. The temptation is to always compromise. The temptation is always, let's just fit in. But what does Jesus tell to them next? Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is not either good for soul or for manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to let him hear. We are the salt of the earth. We are to stick out. We are to be noticed. And we are to influence. And if we as Christians, if we as believers are not living our lives in obedience to him, instead of comprom- instead compromising to the world and being just like them, then we're really no good to Jesus at all. Decisions are hard sometimes. What are you going to choose this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for all the many things that you've blessed us with, Lord. Lord, you have given us so many good things. You've given us friends. You've given us families. You've given us homes. You've given us jobs, and you've given all those things for us to enjoy, and we're grateful. But, Lord, we pray this morning, Lord, that we will never put those things in front of you. When the conflict comes between those things and serving and loving you, we will always make the right choice, regardless of what it may cost us. Lord, seek to us in our lives, Lord, to make a difference, to be the salt of the earth, to bring peacemakers amongst those and our friends and our family who are having conflict, but always doing it and choosing to follow you and what is right. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing a hymn of invitation.